All right, hey, good morning, church. I'm going to open up by uh, reading from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21, which is actually a prayer that St. Paul wrote to the church. Paul writes, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is God's word. Well, hey, Messiah, God's great blessings to you today. I'm so glad to be here with you, and I'm glad that you are here or watching from wherever it is that you are watching from. Thank you for taking the time to be a part of something really, really important in the life of the church and for your life, too. The series we are in is a how-to series. The topic is discipleship, not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. And for those who choose it, it makes all the difference in the world. I believe that Jesus' invitation to follow him is the greatest opportunity that any of us will ever have. And I also believe that the more closely we follow Jesus, the better we'll be. Here's what's at stake. Your faith. Nobody wants to sleepwalk through their life of faith. No, we want a resilient faith, a faith that is fulfilling and enduring and committed. Following Jesus is where it's at, and the more we engage in a life of discipleship, the better it gets. We are in week three of the series, and hopefully by now you have picked up one of these walk-the-talk self-assessment cards. Um, if you don't have one handy, uh, one of our hosts will, right now, will be happy to get you one. All you have to do is just kind of raise your hand, and we'll give you one if you need one or would like one. If not, make sure you get one on the way out the door today. This card is designed so that we can take an honest inventory about how we're doing when it comes to the most important thing, which is following Jesus. It's not intended to be a guilt trip, not at all. I really do hope you take it seriously. Like, like I said, this is really important stuff, and it's most definitely needed because, more than likely, we're probably a little out of balance. I'm sorry I don't remember where I read this, but it goes like this. Christianity has become obsessed with what Christians believe rather than how Christians live. In other words, we do a lot of thinking and a lot of talking, but not much walking. We talk a lot about doctrine or the teachings of the church, 
but precious little about actually living it out. Both are important. We definitely want to grow up by reading our Bibles and listening to His Word. It's very important for us to know what to believe and why. But then we also want to live it out, put it into practice. Okay, let's do a little Discipleship 101. We need to define terms. Discipleship is about learning to be like Jesus and then doing it. It's not just having faith in Jesus. It's also the process of developing the faith of Jesus. It means doing and acting and behaving in the style of Jesus. Obedience is what it is. However, you have heard this over the past two weeks, but we really want to be crystal clear here. Doing what Jesus commanded is not at all about earning salvation. You can't earn salvation. No one can. Nor is it about getting God to like you more. It's not about punching your ticket to heaven. No, salvation is a free gift. But discipleship is this lifelong journey of dedicating ourselves to becoming just a little bit more and more and more like Christ. You see, it's for our benefit and for that of our neighbors. Now, let's go back about 2,000 years. Now, throughout the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus is called teacher or rabbi by those who were gathered around him. Also, members of the early church called themselves disciples, meaning students or followers of the way. Well, how did Jesus teach them? Well, he didn't load them up with a bunch of textbooks and a course syllabus. No, he simply asked each of his students to follow him, meaning literally to walk after him. He invited them to watch and to listen and to come with him as he went along and to do the same stuff that he's doing. Imitate how he lived out God's word. This was the teaching method of the time. Rabbis before Jesus had been doing it this way for centuries, and out of this experience came a well-known saying that you should learn from a rabbi by covering yourself in his dust. Excuse me, this might be a few timeouts today. <coughs> My apologies. Meaning this, uh, you should follow so closely behind him as he traveled from place to place and, and teaching from town to town that you would be covered with the dust that he'd kick up. You'd literally walk in his footsteps. And as you walked after him, your heart would change. You see, when Jesus called his disciples to follow him, he meant the word in both ways. Now, first, they would follow in his literal footsteps. Later, they would follow in his teachings, taking his message to the world. And that's what we're after in this message series, following Jesus so closely in this world that our hearts would change. It's taking the opportunity to listen and to learn from Jesus, and then here's the kicker to actually try it out in real life. And as we do so, our hearts will change. 
How could they not? It's Jesus we're following. We will become more Christ-like. How beautiful and wonderful is that? (laughs) Oh, it is. And as we walk the talk, not only do we change for the better, it betters everyone around us. How could it not? The love of Christ is transformational. All right, let's get into it. Let's grow up. First question, who's teaching you? Whose disciple are you, really? Because one thing's for sure, you're somebody's disciple. How you're living is something you learned from somebody else. There are no exceptions to this rule. Everyone has a rabbi. Everyone has a teacher, or more than likely, several teachers. Originally, you grew up by learning from your parents and other family members. Uh, Then there are playmates and our grade school educators. Hopefully, you had some great ones along the way, like we do at Messiah Lutheran School, Go Lions. Then, as you continue to grow up, there are more friends and more teachers, academic professors, instructors, bosses, and so on, such as a spouse. (laughs) And then you have a host of other teachers who influence and impact our lives, artists and musicians, politicians and public figures, movie stars, trendsetters and advertisers who, for better or for worse, convey and convince us what life's really supposed to be about. Some of these rabbis influence us positively, and many more others do not. That's why having the right teacher is so critical. If you are listening to the wrong rabbi, it could really mess you up. Take Lucy the dog, for example. Lucy isn't my dog. Lucy belongs to author Donald Miller. In his book, Scary Close, Miller tells of a lesson that he learned from his dog. He writes, Lucy is a chocolate lab with a very timid heart. In fact, when I got her, I just read the book Marley and Me. And in that book, John Grogan is told that when he goes to pick his dog up from the litter, he should yell, boo, to see which of the dogs are timid and which ones are brave. John's father said that he should choose the dog that is the bravest, because that's the alpha dog, the pack leader. And John did just that, and he ended up with Marley, who, while lovable, also destroyed the furniture, dug up half the backyard, and ate his wife's jewelry. Well, after reading the book, I decided to do the opposite. Lucy's mom lived in a log cabin right at the foot of a waterfall, and I sat down next to the litter and rubbed her mama's ears, and the puppies all came forward, uh, pawing at me at my legs and biting on my shoestrings. And then I let out a boo, and the litter scattered. But none of them scattered faster than Lucy. She turned and looked at me and peed herself. That's my dog, I said. That's my dog to the family who owned the cabin. And I've never regretted it. You never, ever have to discipline Lucy. You can have a mildly disappointed thought about her, and she seems to sense it, and she whimpers up to your ankles as though to apologize. I can count on one hand the times I've even had to use a leash. 
I only tell you this because a few years ago, I let a friend stay at my house for a weekend while I was traveling. And she had some friends over for a party, and I think one of them did something to Lucy. I didn't realize it for a few days, but one night while I was making dinner, I realized that Lucy wasn't around. She normally lies on the kitchen floor waiting for a scrap of food to fall, but she wasn't in her usual spot. I checked the living room, and she wasn't there. She wasn't in the dining room either. Finally, I found her in the bedroom, hiding, half under pillows, shaking. I sat down next to her, wondering what had frightened her, but nothing seemed obvious. After an hour or so, uh, she returned to normal and until the next night when I was making dinner, and she did it again. After a while, I realized that when she heard a pan being pulled from a drawer under the stove, she ran into the bedroom and hid. And so each night, I'd go and sit next to her and rub her ears and talk softly to her. But the damage had been done. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but what likely explains it is that one of my friend's friends decided to teach Lucy to stay out of the kitchen. Probably some party trick he learned about dogs, that if you scare them, you can get them to do what you want. But it bothered me. I didn't like the fact that somebody had trained my dog. Somebody had gotten to her. I didn't like the fact that every night she had to experience terror over nothing. I know Lucy's just a dog, but the experience caused me to wonder how many people have been made to fear something because somebody else had an agenda. With a dog, it's pretty simple. You can just scare them, and they run and hide. With people, though, it's more complicated. The way manipulative people train others is by, by attacking their identity. They clang pots and pans of lies about who they are and how terrible they are and send their victims running into the bedroom shaking. Sadly, I think Donald Miller is right on the money. Many, many people do not know who they really are because the wrong rabbi scared them, and there are plenty to go around. Satan is a master at deceiving. That's what he does. And the world that we live in doesn't do us much favors either. Uh, many listen to the wrong message, and they get to believe in it. Many people put on a brave face, but deep down they see themselves as no good. They've been fed a pack of lies about how they don't measure up. They feel unlovable, alone, and afraid. Maybe this is you. Maybe not, but you'll agree that we live in a very discontented and disconnected and scary time. I think the two big issues of the day are fear and blame. 
who or what should I fear? And who or what is to blame? We are an anxious and an angry people these days. And think about it. How many calm people do you know? How many contented people do you know? Sure, it doesn't seem too many joyful people running around these days, hardly. Everyone's frustrated. Frustrated with others, with COVID, with politics, with ourselves. The clanging of many pots and pans drown out the good news. And it really messes with our identity. Sometimes our identities get distorted because of the sinfulness of others. And further damage is compounded by the sins that we bring upon ourselves. Regardless, the results are the same. Either we run and hide, or we turn into an angry dog that barks and bites at any little thing. I'll ask you again, who's your teacher? Everyone has a rabbi that they're learning from. Who's teaching you? We need to learn from the teacher who knows us and who loves us best. We need to listen to the right rabbi. Assessment time, don't answer out loud. On a scale of one to five, how much time are you spending with your rabbi? Rabbi Jesus. Do you read his word? You listen to the truth daily. Are you nailing it or not so much? Well, let's start nailing it down right now. His word this morning came to us by way of the Apostle Paul, who wrote to the followers of the way, I pray that you may have the power to grasp, to comprehend, to know, to believe in something. What something? What's he talking about? This, the width and length and height and depth, to know the love of Jesus Christ so that you would be filled up so that your hearts would change. Paul's plea is that we be given the power and the strength to believe how high and wide and deep and long is the love of God for us. Richard Beck writes, it's an interesting choice of words. We hear the words power and strength, and we think of physical strength or the ability to lift a great weight. But in Paul's prayer, we need the power of a different sort. We need the power of comprehension. The biggest, heaviest rock that we have to lift in life is the knowledge 
of just how much God loves us. But many of us have been hurt and damaged by others. And we've become convinced in the deep recesses of our being, those sad, wounded places that medication and therapy often fail to reach, that we are deeply, profoundly, and permanently unlovable. We are damaged and broken beyond repair. And because of these wounds, the love of God is simply, utterly unbelievable. And they just can't let that rock. Maybe that's you. Maybe not. Regardless, this message is about discipleship. In today's context, it's about walking in the ways of Jesus in this world, here and now. The point is this. How are we to gain the strength and how are we to help each other gain the strength to comprehend and believe in the love of God? Answer, by listening to God's word and through prayer. You grow up spending intentional time each day with Rabbi Jesus. You sit at his feet and you learn from him. And you cover yourself in his dust throughout the day as you talk with him. That's the way. You do that. And then do this. Join a community group. You do community with a small group of disciples. It is a great way to grow. As you grow in the word together, and you pray for one another, and you help other people lift that rock that they can't lift right now. That's what Jesus was and is all about. In his book, Life Together, Dietrich Bonhoeffer shares this. He says, help must come from the outside. God has willed it that we should seek and find God's living word in the testimony of other Christians, in the mouths of human beings. Therefore, Christians need other Christians to speak God's word to them. They need them again and again when they become uncertain and disheartened because living by their own resources, they cannot help themselves without cheating themselves of the truth. They need other Christians as bearers and proclaimers of the divine word of salvation. The Christ in our own hearts is weaker than the Christ in the words of other Christians. Our own hearts are uncertain. Those of our brothers and sisters are sure. You can, and you really should get in on this. Participating in a community group is one of the biggest and best discipleship moves you can make because Christ comes to us in the words of other Christians and 
Christ will work through you as you speak love to one another. We are called to speak life into one another. The Spirit of Jesus works through the community of Jesus. You remind others that they are worthy and they are loved. We have a teacher who laid down his life for his friends, and he calls you his friend. Jesus picked up the greatest boulder, the greatest, heaviest rock, each and every sin of the world, and placed it upon himself and willingly let himself be nailed to a cross so that you could be forgiven and free and holy and lovable in God's sight. And you are. You're totally worthy because you are totally loved. How great is this love? How high and how deep and how far and how wide. Help other people grasp it as you pray for them and as you listen to them and as you share God's word together and you do this and you're doing it just like Jesus. Community group is the setting for this to take place. It's exactly what community group is built for, to love one another. That's what the true rabbi said. He said it again and again and again. You will show yourselves to be my disciples if you love one another. And we love one another best when we are in community with Christ at the center. Join with a group of other disciples and follow Jesus together. This is something the followers of Jesus did. This is how he set it up for healthy spiritual growth. He gathered friends. He ate with people. He attended parties with people. He prayed with people, traveled with people, served with people. Jesus both the whole faith system in connection with relationships. It's critical. Jesus wanted and still wants people to be together, to live together, and to love one another. You lean into community. You are invited. Jesus is looking for disciples to follow him and to help others who need Jesus' friendship and your friendship too. Okay, speaking of friends, I'm going to close this message up by uh, turning it over to a friend of mine that uh, you will probably recognize from our video announcements. I'd like to invite Laura Fleetwood up to the stage here, and she's going to share with us uh, how we can grow up in our relationship with God and with others. There we go. Uh, come on. There we go. Round of applause. Great. <coughs> 
This public speaking thing ain't for everybody. It's not as easy as it looks. All right, quick uh, incomplete bio here. Laura is Messiah's uh, creative director. She also has a personal ministry to women and girls. It's called Seeking the Still. And on top of all that, she is also working on earning her doctorate. So, busy person. But Laura, I'm going to turn it over to you now uh, by asking you to share with us what growing up in your faith in Jesus has looked like for you. What's your why? Why do you want to grow in your faith? For most of my life, my why came from a sense of obligation or expectation because I knew that was what I was supposed to do. I was supposed to go to church every Sunday. I was supposed to study the Bible. I was supposed to pray. It was an obligation. But I've learned something. True transformation, that heart change that Pastor Chuck was talking about, it doesn't come from doing things out of obligation. Heart change, transformation comes from two things, great love or great pain. And in my life, unfortunately, it was great pain that taught me how to fling open these doors to encounter Jesus. And I like to think of these things that we do in following Jesus as doors. So you open a door, not because of the door, right? But because of what you want to find on the other side. So we don't go to worship just to show up. We go to worship to open the door of worship because on the other side is Jesus. We don't join a community group just to join a community group. We open the door to a community group because Jesus is on the other side. You may not know what the experience of a community group is going to look like. You may not know what is on the other side of that door, but you know who is. Jesus is. So we've been telling you stories over the last two weeks that community group registration has been opened about people who have opened the door to a community group. And there's two ways to open a door, right? You can walk up to it and you can kind of slowly open it a crack and look around and kind of see what's there. That's kind of what I did when I was growing my faith out of obligation and expectation. I was opening the doors, but just like peeking around the corner. And so I wasn't fully encountering Jesus, right? So you can do that with a community group. You can look at the website and go, oh, gosh, there's not a time that works for me. There's not a day that works for me. There's not a group that seems like I would be a good fit for it, so I'm just going to pass this time. You can show up to worship like that. You can enter the door of worship and sit and check it off your list and say that you are here. Or, because you know that Jesus is on the other side of those doors, you can fling the doors wide open so that you can encounter him in his fullness. That's what happens when we follow Jesus because of great love. Or even sometimes, as in my case, initially, because of great pain, we don't peek around the corner. We fling it open because we're so desperate, if we're in pain, to encounter the source of love. And if we remember, like Pastor Chuck said, why God gave us these ways to encounter Jesus, then we fling the door wide open because of his great love for us. 
So as I'm sharing these stories to you, I'm gonna uh, introduce a video from a gal named Emily. She joined a community group and she didn't just peek, she didn't do it out of obligation. In fact, she never even had stepped foot in Messiah. She didn't know anything about Messiah. She was desperately seeking a group where she could connect. And I want you to listen to her story, and then I want you, after worship today, to fling the door of community groups wide open and go back to that table where Shauna and Jill are and say, how can I walk through this door? If there's a group that doesn't look like it works for you, I promise you they will help you find one. There are existing groups that have openings that aren't on that website, okay? So listen to Emily's story. And then after church today, stop back and visit Jill and Shauna. Here's Emily. In the spring of 2020, I was looking online to find a church that had a community group that I connected with. I searched churches all over St. Charles County, and Messiah was the only one that had one that was focused on career-minded women. So people my season of life, my age, that I felt like I could become friends with and share some spiritual experiences with. I decided to show up and just test it out and see what happened. And then once I met the ladies in the group, they were talking so much about how much Messiah changed their life, I decided to start attending the church. I had never been to a service at Messiah. I didn't even watch one online before I came. I just thought, you know, this seemed like a good group for me. And so after I heard their experiences, I decided to attend the service and loved it. I thought it might also be good to use my gifts to serve the church. And so I joined the hosting team at Messiah and met a ton more people, made more connections, and really felt like I connected quickly to the rest of Messiah. So when I joined the community group, I was excited to make new friends, especially after the season of quarantine in 2020. But God had something else in mind for me too. Um, one of the other ladies in the group had a friend who just started foster care and just gotten licensed. And that was something that my husband and I had been investigating and I had a ton of questions and concerns about um, since that's a huge change of life. And so, I got connected to her through this other person in community group, and she was so supportive and encouraging and helped us make the decision that we would pursue that for our family. And so without that connection, I don't know that we would have gone down that same path. I needed somebody who had been there that I could talk to, and I wouldn't have had that without the connection that I made in my Messiah community group. So if you're thinking about potentially joining a community group, I would say do it. Take the risk, go out there, meet some new people, and also know that this is the best way to experience community the way that the disciples did in Jesus's time. This is how they met, in homes, over food, having good times. And so experience that for yourself and just do it. Chuck, thank you for your message today and Laura for your word.